welcome everyone. Awesome to be here with you today. Just so thankful that each one of you is here today, that we're able to be together, worshiping God together again on this chilly Sunday morning, Sunday afternoon. I just am blessed that you are here. And again, I want to just, before I jump into continuing on with our series, Deeper Things, uh, I want to encourage you about next week again with Football Sunday coming. It is a great, great opportunity to invite people that you know that love football. It could be uh, a family member, it could be your friend, it could be a coworker. you know, people that are just into it. The Super Bowl is kind of one of those iconic events that happens each year that maybe people only watch one game a year. That tends to be the one that they do. And, and, and so I want to encourage you to take advantage of all of the marketing, advertising that the world's putting into it. We're believing that God's going to use it uh, to speak to people through these players that have a relationship with Jesus that are going to share their testimony, and it will be life-changing. Now, even if you don't like football, it's still a great Sunday. We want to encourage you to bring uh, your favorite dip. Uh, We're going to give out our Golden Avocado Awards. I think that's hilarious. And and, uh, for those of you that are wanting to be a part of that, we have a great time just to share just some food, fun, and fellowship together. And I want to encourage you that as we have been moving in our series as well, We've had some things that have been out there for us to be challenged. We've been challenged, first of all, to go deeper in the Word of God, that, that, that we, we realize that the more that we read the Word of God, that it sharpens us, that it strengthens us. Pastor Michael did a great job talking about that, that the Word of God is something that every one of us needs in our life. And then uh, the next week, uh, John shared a great word on prayer, and, and he kind of took it in a little different direction, talked about how big are your prayers? How specific are your prayers? And I, I'm believing that some of you, God, you've been praying some very big prayers that, I, that I'm hoping that you're even beginning to see God move on your behalf. And then last week I challenged you about the whole idea that we're called to let our light shine uh, before people, that, that, that God doesn't want us to live a boring Christian life, that when we actually look for God opportunities and we say, God, would you use me, that he does that. He creates opportunities for us. And so I asked you to to pray that God would give you those opportunities. Well, if those things are happening in your world, I want to encourage you to let us know about it. I'd like to know. I want to hear if God's answering your prayers. I want to hear if God is using you to make a difference in people's lives. I want to hear what God is speaking to you. And there's a few ways that you can do that. You can uh, put it on one of our connection cards and give it to one of our ushers or put it in the offering basket. Or you can email me, and my email address is todd at eastsidecitychurch.ca. It's really what all of our people that work here, you put our first name, and then at eastsidecitychurch.ca, you can uh, contact us. So I would love to hear from you what God is doing, because I believe that it brings life. You see, it is a great day to be here with you. Who here would say, this is a great day? You know, we have much to be excited about in our church. Lives are being changed. You know that every single week, including this Sunday, that somebody's made a decision to make Jesus the center of their life. Uh, we had somebody in the first service say, that's what I want in my life. Lives are being changed. We, we, we've uh, started, as you've seen the advertising, we, we did our second week of Celebrate Recovery this week. More people came, which to me is more lives that are getting changed, and, and it's, a, it's a place for any one of us that have any hurts, habits, or hangups that we want to deal with, it's a great thing. People are getting jobs. 
I'm hearing about people getting new jobs. God is providing for people. We've been praying for that. And, and the reason I'm sharing this is because I believe that church, above any other place on the planet, should be a place of celebration. It should be a place where we celebrate the good things that God has done in our life. In fact, uh, I know this, that when I had my first kid, I wasn't any different than anybody else. Your first child, you celebrate everything. You, you get excited about everything. I, how do I know that? I've seen your Facebook stuff. You know, that first smile, pictures everywhere. The first words, the first step. You know, even when we get home, we celebrate the first poo that they have. Oh, look at that little poo. It's so wonderful. Can you believe that little diaper? You, you get excited about the first thing of everything. You celebrate it. And then we come to the first birthday. And I remember my daughter when she was born, her very first birthday, Lindsay, that we, you know, she was a year old, and so we, we wanted to make things big. We wanted to make things bigger. So we had a birthday party. Uh, I think we went to a place that was called Bonkers, or I can't remember what it was. You know, those kids' places, they change the names all the time. Um, so we invited family, we invited cousins, we invited friends, and it was loud, it was exciting, it was noisy. Uh, but, but my daughter um, wasn't in that festive of a mood at that time. She actually fell asleep. And so she fell asleep in her, her car seat, and so we were having a, a good time talking, connecting, uh, just having a, a wonderful time. And I made the decision, you know, maybe we should check and see what's going on with Lindsay. And I remember we, we went because her blanket had, was covering her car seat, and, and we lifted it up, and she was in there, and she was crying. Now, now my heart went from, well, this is a great day to, oh, my little precious, she... How long has she been crying? What, what, what's been going on? I mean, this is her birthday party. We're all having fun. And she's crying. You know, I guess she was, you know, fulfilling that song. I believe it was in the 50s or 60s. It's my party. I can cry if I want to. She was, she was fulfilling it. But I, I wasn't really that excited about that. You know, there are many things that we celebrate. Uh, I, I remember uh, a few years ago, it was a few years now, uh, my wife decided to pull off a surprise birthday party for me. I am not an easy person to surpri surprise uh, because I kind of have my antennae wide open. Are you one of those people that's kind of aware uh, of stuff that goes on around you? Well, the, the other part of it is I, I, I handle the finances in our house. So I know when somebody's spending something. I know when, when purchases are made. I can go, you know, hey, I, I saw there was a, a, a purchase at Party City. What, what was that all about? I, I ask those questions. Now, I don't want you to get the, the wrong impression. Because some of you are like, you are a control freak. Your wife, your wife, I, I know I'm going to get an email from somebody because I just gave my email address. You're going to be like, you need to let your wife have freedom to spend some money, Pastor Todd. Look at this. She's receiving that. I just know stuff. So it, it's hard for you to pull one on me. And so uh, one of the things that I'd shared with my wife before I turned 40, it was probably when I was 38, I was like, you know what would be really, really great because we were the youth pastors at the church at that time. I said, you know what would be really awesome if we could just invite 
everybody, one, one more time, I knew that my, my years, my days were, were going to be shorter. I was like, let, let's invite them to come, and, and, and is anybody that will come, and, and, and let's just celebrate just all the lives that we've been a part of. And so I, I remember showing up. It was a few days before my birthday. It was on a Friday night, and I remember showing up, and it, it wasn't until that moment when my wife goes, you know, you just need to stay in the office for a minute. I'm like, why? What's, what's going on? You just need to say, and then somebody else came and got me. And I remember I walked through those doors right there, and all of a sudden, as those doors opened up, there were over 200 people that were like, surprise! Well, she had invited all these people without me knowing it. Well, to be honest, it probably wasn't that hard because I'm illiterate when it comes to social media. I do not Facebook real well. I don't Instagram probably the way that I would like to so I said, how did you pull it out? Well, she's like, I just use Facebook. I knew you wouldn't be on Facebook. So I use Facebook to invite people. And we just had the most incredible time that evening. I, I, you know when you're getting older, how you can tell you're getting older? When people that were in your youth group bring their kids to something. <laughs> and their kids now could be in youth. You know that you've been doing it a little while. But what was really neat about that evening is uh, we invited in a, a friend that we had done youth ministry with many years before. He came and he preached uh, and, and lives were changed. That night over 50 people either made a decision to become a follower of Jesus or to rededicate their life to God. It was the best birthday that I can ever remember and I, I just thank my wife for, for doing that. Well, why am I talking about this? Because I believe that church again should be a place where we celebrate. And strong families celebrate together. You see, celebration is a sign that we are experiencing and that we are reveling in the goodness of who God is. I, I believe this in, in life. Sometimes there's just a little too much mourning, not enough celebration. That we can focus on things. And I believe that as followers of Jesus, we, shouldn't, we, don't, we should not be living boring lives. That our lives are not boring. Why? Because Jesus has touched us. So as we continue our series today, Deeper Things, I want to add another pillar for growing a strong faith. In fact, I believe that every one of us, if we were to do the four things that I have, we strategically laid out for this month, that if we were to make the word of God something that we did every single day, that we added the word of God to our life, if we made prayer something that we were constantly giving to God, that we were, we were surrendering our, our will to God, we were surrendering our difficulties to God, that we were asking him for big things, that if we allowed God to use us to reach other people, and then we did what I'm gonna talk about here today, which is to celebrate relationship that we would have a life that would be more exciting, our relationships would be deeper, we'd find real joy and even moments of happiness. Now as I start this, I don't want to be sacrilegious when I say this. I know it may come across the wrong way, but I want to say this, that Jesus loves celebrations. In fact, you might even say this, that Jesus loved a party. He liked to be around parties. He could be found around celebrations. And I want us to look today in our Bibles in John chapter 2, verses 1 to 11. We're going to look at this from the New Living Translation that we find Jesus is at a wedding celebration. And here's what it says. The next day, 
There was a wedding celebration in the village of Cana in Galilee. And Jesus' mother was there. And Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the celebration. We see that word celebration twice. But now there was a problem. Here's the problem. The wine supply ran out during the festivities. So Jesus' mother told him, they have no more wine. I know that might ruin some people's theology right now. So dear woman, that's not our problem, Jesus said. My time has not yet come. But his mother told the servants, do whatever he tells you. And here's what he said. So standing nearby were six stone water jars used for Jewish ceremonial washing. Each could hold 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus told his servants, fill the jars with water. When the jars had been filled, he said, now dip some out and take it to the master of ceremonies. So the servants followed his instructions. And when the master of ceremonies tasted the water that was now wine, not knowing where it had come from, though of course the servants knew, he called the bridegroom over. Now a host always serves the best wine first, he said. Then when everyone's had a lot to drink, he brings out the less expensive wine, but you have kept the best until now. This miraculous sign at Canaan, Galilee, was the first time Jesus revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. I want to say this, that when it comes to the Bible, when it comes to biblical times, that weddings were incredibly important. They were big, humongous events. They did not believe in just going to the justice of the peace back then. That wasn't an option. They didn't do destination weddings in Cabos or, or places like that. Now, I think those things are fun. But they, 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 that wasn't even part of their mentality or their thinking. They did everything when it came to these celebrations in a humongous and big way. And unless you were wealthy, the families, the people would scrimp and save so that they could go all out for these ceremonies. And the wedding could go on for days. Now, I know that some of you come from other countries and other cultures. You were born there. That that's still how things happen in those cultures, not something that we're familiar with. And it would be considered rude for them not to invite the neighbors, the community leaders, and extended family. You see, the more guests that you had at a wedding at that time, the higher your social status because it showed that, you know, you had some wealth, you had some girth, and so you had to feed everybody. You had to entertain them. You had to provide for them things that were part of the celebration, including the wine. And it was a place where you would present your best stuff. You would wear your best clothes. You would offer your best food and the best wine that your family had. Now, we don't know, not know whose wedding this was, but we most it was most likely we can ascertain from the scriptures that it was a family member. Why? We know this because Jesus' mom is the one who brings the problem to Jesus. She was somehow involved with the people that were doing this wedding ceremony. So she brings it to his attention. Look, there, there, there's a problem here. There's a, a big problem. We still have more party time left. We, we don't know if it was another day or whatever it was, but the problem was that the wine had run out, and that would have been a very embarrassing situation. I mean, we've all experienced it where we've been around places where people ran out of food. It's not cool, you know. You go to a potluck and there's a lot of there's not much luck left. You get to the end of it, you're 
you're eating the rice and maybe a piece of salad, you're kind of like, wow, that's not cool. Because I was hoping for some steak. And here we have Jesus. He's here. And his mom comes in and says, you got to help us. you got to help us, son. She must have known something that he could have done something from the way that he grew up. And so here's what he does. He does his very first miracle. Now, in the miracle business, I don't know why the Bible makes this the first thing that Jesus did. You know, you would think that it would be more kind of cool if he, like, healed some guy of blindness. That, that seems like that's where Jesus would start. Or, or maybe there was a lady that had leprosy, and, and so he would have healed her. Or, 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 or maybe, maybe he would have cast out a demon out of somebody. I mean, that would be like, wow, that's a super spiritual event. But what does Jesus do? The first miracle that's mentioned in the Bible that he does is he turns water into wine. Why? Well, why would he do that? It almost seems crazy. Now, the only thing the Bible says is about this is that it helped his disciples believe in him, that it was a sign for them of who he was, the, the, the person that he said he was. But we know this if we observe Jesus in other situations, we understand there were some important things for him about celebrations. And we can look at that, that, that we, could, we could discern from this that Jesus loved celebrations. Why? Because people were there. Jesus was about people. He talked about gatherings. He was at gatherings. He would show up where people were at. Why? Because Jesus loves people. He loved being around people. It was a place also that we had a picture of what family was like. You know, have you ever noticed at times that maybe people haven't been getting along in family relationships? And then you have a wedding or maybe a funeral. And for those moments in time, some people are, are better at this. Sometimes people kind of come together a little bit and they actually, they, maybe they realize the problems aren't quite as big. That family is important. You know, family is incredibly important to Jesus. And so it was a place where we, we would see family coming together. It was also an opportunity to celebrate relationships because we are all about relationships. God is about relationship. God wants a relationship with every single one of us that are here today. And I believe this, that God wants church to be a place of celebration, a place where family comes together. So how do we celebrate together? How do we build family? You know, for 2018, what God has put in my heart for Eastside is that we would become family together, that I believe God wants to take us deeper as family. Well, how do we do this? Well, here's my first point that I want to share with you. First of all, we got to be live. Well, that sounds kind of funny. Be live. Are you, did you mean, Pastor Todd, be alive? No, I think being alive is good. But we need to be live. Now, here's the context of what, I wanna talk, what, I wanna, what I'm sharing here. There's a difference between going to a game, going to a concert versus watching it on television, isn't there? For any of you who've ever been to a live sporting event, there, there are just some things that cannot be replicated by watching it on television. Now, I know that at the end of the football season, 
It was incredibly cold. And I remember the Stampeders played their last football game and it was like minus 30 out. I think that is a great time to watch it on television when it's minus 30. There are some things I don't want to live through the the cold weather, but that is an experience in and of itself. But there are things that happen when you're at a live event. There are things that happen when you're at a concert or a performance. There's just different sounds. It's what's going on with the people all around you. I even know when I go to a football game, there are certain smells that just remind me of things. The band playing, people cheering, people getting excited about things. That you just can't experience that by watching it on TV. There's an energy that's almost indescribable. When 20,000 people come together at a hockey game or 100,000 people are at a a soccer game or a football game, I have been in a stadium with over 100,000 people and all I can tell you is that it is so electric in there that you can feel the energy that comes from being a part of it. But more importantly, there are moments with the people that you are with that make memories Do you remember certain things that happen, certain things that that go on? I remember a couple years ago, I took my son to his first college football game in the States. And And the most exciting part for me wasn't that I got to go to the game, but it was going to the game with him and watching him as the stadium began to fill up. Now, this was a little smaller venue. There was only 60,000 people there. And I remember when all of a sudden it dawned on him that the place was full. And the crowd began to cheer. And he tried to talk to me. And, he, and I couldn't hear him. And he couldn't hear me. And, and the game began to go on. And there was this play. I just watched this experience that happened in his world. That was just, it, it was profound. And I was so glad I was able to be there and share it with him. We live in the age of great media. You can look at anything at your fingertips. You can here are the greatest teachers, the greatest speakers. Man, you, 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 you today could, could be at home right now and you could be listening to whatever you consider the greatest preachers of our time, whether it's, uh, it's uh, T.D. Jakes, whether it's Bill Hybels, whether it's Andy Stanley, whoever it is that, that you think is, is the most awesome and the best, at your fingertips, they are available to you. You can have worship experiences. You can can tap into Bethel Worship Live. You can watch Hillsong's worship or, or Planet Shakers. And I'm here to tell you that those things are really wonderful. They really are. But I gotta say this, they they can't replace being with your own church community. There is something divine about having spiritual moments with living, breathing human beings, being together with them, experiencing these things together. You can't reproduce that through media or television. And I see this that the more and more people as we go forward are feeling such disconnection. It's because we, we have everything at our fingertips, but the thing we need the most is each other. And we need people, and we need to be a part of things. I remember 10, 15 years ago, before all of these things were available to us, I don't know if you ever experienced this. You, you, would, you, know, you had that Sunday where everything just kind of went crazy, and, 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 or you had to be somewhere, and you, you weren't able to be at church. And it was always those weeks that somebody would come to me and be like, oh, man, 
that was the best service ever. Oh, yeah, you, yeah, you missed the most incredible church service that, that I was ever a part of. I was like, oh, great, thanks. Why? Because you had to be there. You had to be a part of it to experience all of those things. You know, I shared, uh, I shared this. You can get the information. You can even get some inspiration, but you'll never get the full experience unless you are there, live, rubbing shoulders with people. I shared earlier that my wife and I worked in youth ministry for over 15 years. Many times it was interesting, we'd have people come to us and say things like, you know what, I, I really feel like I've got a call to youth ministry. I, I want to I I help out. I think God's calling me here. I want to help out. And I'd say things like this. I mean, I, I know this might sound crazy. I'd say, uh, youth is on Friday. Can you show up on Friday? And they'd be like, oh, man, Friday, not a good night for me. I'm really, really busy. Got lots of stuff going on. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, how about Sunday morning? We have a junior high class. You can come. You can be a part of our, our, our junior high class. Maybe God's given you, you can share your wisdom with it. Oh, yeah. Mm. That doesn't really fit. And I'd say things like this. I'd be like, oh, wow. Well, maybe youth ministry isn't really what you're supposed to be a part of then. Oh, man. Uh, Pastor, you're so inflexible. Well, you see, you cannot impact people. You cannot change things without being a part of their life. You have to be present. You see, we are called, I believe, to be a thriving community. And I, I, I want to say this. I get it. And I, I believe this now more than ever that life is crazy. Life is busy. We are experiencing so many things that we've never had to experience before. There are so many people that are required to work shift work. That, 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 that just takes people away from being able to be part of certain events, whether it's small groups or it's a, it's a part of Sunday morning gatherings or, or things that they would like to be a part of. And I believe this, that we need time for our, our family and vacations, that, that I don't want to take that away. There are times that you need to, to go away and do things. But I have to also say this today, that, that, that I believe there's great value in coming together. And I think all of us maybe need to just challenge ourselves a little bit about those times when we're just kind of like, you know what, I just, I got other things that I want to do, or it's too cold, or I'm tired. There's something that you miss out on when you're not a part of the community. And you want to hear something even crazier? There's something that other people miss out on when you're not there, because you bring something that God's given you. Hebrews 10.25 says this, you know, it was a, a challenge even in the, the early church. But the writer says this, and let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Here's the second thing I want to talk about, about building a place of celebration, becoming family together. We've got to get engaged. Now there's a story about some soldiers that were POWs in World War II. And they, they, they had this, that they, they, they studied to determine what methods were, had been used by the enemy to be, be more effective in breaking their spirit. 
And here's what the findings reveal, that they did not break down from physical deprivation or torture as quickly as they did from solitary confinement or being disrupted from friendships caused by frequent changing of personnel and locations. Attempts to get the prisoners divided in their attitudes towards one another proved to be the most successful method of discouraging them. It was further learned that soldiers were not sustained primarily by faith in their country or by the rightness of the cause for which they fought. They drew their greatest strength, listen to this, from close attachments that they had formed to the small military units to which they belonged. I want to say this today. The enemy has a plan for your life, just like God does. And his plan is to take you down. He wants to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And the way that he does it is through what I call separation. He wants to separate us from one another. He wants to separate you from God by separating you from community. Now, I believe this, that the the challenge that we face is that that how do we begin to be separated from one another? Well, when we become casual in our relationships with each other, it produces disconnection. I've seen it happen in friendships. It can happen in marriage. And it happens in the church. You see, we were created for relationship. We were created for connection. We were meant to connect together in community, to celebrate with one another. And I believe this, that relationship is a key part of healthy family. In the early church, we can read in Acts chapter 2, they were a thriving and engaged community. They did life together. The Bible says that they met with each other every day. Now, some of you are like, Pastor Todd, stop right there. You are not going to suggest today that we're now going to meet together every day. Yeah, they had church every day. Now, we're not going to do that. Who here says amen? But the reality was is that their lives were connected with each other. They were, they were tied into each other. They didn't have a, a life over here and a life over there. Their life was lived together. And they were people, here's the fruit of it, people were constantly being added to them. Their, their, their church was growing. Their community was growing. Why they were in relationship. And they, and they had this word that, that, that we don't always like to hear. They were committed to each other. Commitment. You see, there's a difference between our natural family and our spiritual community, and it's the word choice. You, you did not get to choose who your natural family was. You didn't get to choose your mom and dad, your brothers or your sisters. You didn't get to choose who your, that crazy uncle or that, that funny aunt that you, you didn't get to choose any of that stuff. And some of you are like, I know which one I am. God gave them to you, but when it comes to your faith community or our church, you get to have a choice. Well, who am I going to be with? Where am I going to be? And one of the things that I, I find that, we, that is lacking for a lot of people is there's not commitment. We don't understand the, the, the power that comes from commitment, that it's something that we, it's not a, this big spiritual thing. It's many times just comes down to a choice of either I will or I will not. And I believe God's called us to have more commitment one to another. I remember this last summer that I got to have a great lesson with my son about commitment. He had the opportunity to be a part of two different baseball teams. 
And so he came to me, and he was all excited, and, and, he, and he'd gone to the coaches, and he said, Dad, I, I want to practice, and I want to work out with both of these teams. One practiced on Mondays and Wednesdays. The other was Tuesdays and Thursdays. And he was gung-ho. He's like, I'm, I'm going to be so good because I'm going to practice every day because games are on the weekends. And I remember the first week, he was, he was still doing good. It was great. But by the end of the week, he was getting tired. And after the games on the, on the weekend, I could tell that he was worn out a little bit. And so Monday came along, and, and I remember I picked him up at school, and, and all of a sudden, he, he was looking at me and was like, yeah, yeah Dad, I just, uh, mm, I just don't think I can go to practice today. And then he pulled the ultimate card that a kid will play with you as a parent. He said, yeah, I got a lot of homework. You know what was amazing about that statement? I'd never heard him say that before. That that had never, ever come up in our discussions or our our dialogue. And, and, And for a moment I was like, oh, that's good. But then I was like, no, no, wait a second. You made a commitment. You promised that coach and that. And so here's what we're going to do. I want you right now, you're going to go in the house. You're going to put on your baseball stuff. You're going to go grab your stuff, and you're going to get in the car, and I'm going to drive you over there. Now, he was really unhappy with me. He didn't talk to me that, that whole trip, but I was trying to help him understand that being committed, that keeping your word was incredibly important. In fact, I said, I'll stay up with you. I'll help you do your homework, but we're going to keep our word to what we said we were going to do. And I said, when the end of this week is over, you don't have to do it anymore because that's what you committed to. And so we did. And I know that lesson is going to be with him for the rest of his life. Because commitment is important. You see, I want to say this to you, that the best things in life come through commitment. Who likes perks? You you, you like VIP treatment. Well, you you get those things through commitment. I know that I have a credit card that if I use it a lot, they give me back money. You see, they say, you know, because of your commitment to using our card, we got things that we want to give back to you. Or when I went to Haiti this, this, uh, a couple weeks ago, I, I, I was really surprised. I did not expect this. There are three flights to get to Haiti and three flights to come home, so six flights. Did you know, uh, without me even knowing it, that the airline put me in business class for four out of those six legs? Why? Because of my loyalty to their airline. They upgraded me. Commitment brings the best. I even think about my marriage, about what commitment means. It, it produces deeper trust. And I remember when I was dating my wife, now we were believers, but one of the things that we, I understood was that if I wanted our relationship to be intimate and physical, that I needed to make a commitment and get married to this lady because the benefits come from that commitment. Are you understanding me? We, we had some youth pastor friends that said it like this, no ringy, no zingy. <laughs> We're called to be committed to God. We're called to be committed to each other. We're called to be committed to the house of God. I, I sometimes ask myself this question when it comes to people that I know that have 
been in this church, have left this church, some that have come back, some that have gone this way. But one of the things I always ask myself, what would happen if everybody would have just stuck together? Where would we be? What would we be doing? What could we be accomplishing? I don't know. Think about that for a second. Here's the last thing I want to talk about today. How do we grow as a family? How do we celebrate? I believe it. we got to be friendly. When I was growing up, we did not have cell phones. I know I'm, I'm dating myself here a little bit. Done it a couple times today. If you wanted to talk with your friends, you had two options. Here's where your two options were. You could either go to their house, walk, ride your bike, or you could call them on the telephone or what we now call the landline. And I know for some of the teenagers that are in existence, that landline was the most precious piece of real estate in the house. You, you, you wanted that, the phone. And, and, and so people would, would fight over who got to be on the, the telephone. But I remember I went through a stage when I was, I was younger that I would sit at home and I would wait for my friends to call me. Like, who's going to call me? Because, you know, maybe I'd called them a few times. And you, you kind of get in that thing, well, do they like me? Are they my friends? Who, 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 who are we a part of? And I remember, I remember getting frustrated. Man. Oh, nobody wants to hang out with me. Oh, man, what should I do? And, and, and I had this revelation, I must have been like 14 years old, that maybe, maybe I should call them. That maybe I needed to reach out to them. And here's what happened. I began to call my friends about spending time together, hanging out together, and all of a sudden, man, my social life just like, boom, it exploded. Why? Because I was being friendly. I was showing myself friendly. The Bible says this, that if you want friends, then you must show yourself friendly, Proverbs 18.24. Now, that might sound silly, like, oh, people don't do that. Oh, yes, they do. I think a lot of times when it comes to church, that people sometimes come and they're, they're waiting for other people to invite them to do things. They're, they're hoping that somebody's going to invite them. And, I, and I've seen people that get frustrated. They're like, nobody is reaching out to me. And yet what we see in the word of God, what God says is, no, it's not our job to wait for people to reach out to us. Our job is to reach out to one another. If you're going to wait for somebody to reach out to you, you might be waiting a long time. And I believe this to be family. We must be intentional about making friendships. In his book, Bill Hybels, the pastor of, uh, of Willow Creek Church in Indiana, says, or in Illinois, says he wrote a book called Just Walk Across the Room. And he talks about the opportunities that we have to impact people every day. And he says, and many times it starts with something as simple as just walking across the room. You know, we never know what a friendly hello or a smile, where it will leave. It could be a life-changing moment for that person or maybe for you. It could be the start of a new friendship. It could take your day from ordinary to extraordinary. So how do we take this deeper? How do we go deeper? I believe we should make it our goal every day to reach out to somebody new. We should ask God, we talked about this last week, God, bring opportunities into my life. But I believe this, instead of waiting for things to happen, I believe as followers of Jesus that we should be making things happen. 
Because God's Holy Spirit is inside of us. Challenge yourself every Sunday to go introduce yourself to somebody you don't know. And I believe this, that we will become more family. We will see God's celebration go deeper in our lives. I believe this, that subtle changes can make huge differences. For some of you here today, maybe God is speaking to you that you need to renew your commitment to the people that are around you. For others, he's challenging you about, you know, maybe taking a little bit more of a thought process to how you're living your life. Is your relationship to God and to the church casual? And God's saying, I want you to take it a little bit deeper. Instead of making excuses about why you're not here, make it a priority in your life to be here because you make a difference. People need you. You need them. Become a community that celebrates together and then let's see what God will do.